Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and co-parents of all ages, this podcast is for you. Introducing in the center ring the amicable divorce expert, Judith Weigel. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we're going to talk about the power that you have in the communication that you use. People don't understand how powerful words are. I know we talk about it. We are confronted with a wall of words on a daily basis from so many different angles. We have texts, emails, phone calls, one-on-one conversations with people. We've got chat GPT now, artificial communication that pops up in, in different platforms that we're used to using. All of a sudden, chat GPT is there to communicate for you. I'm so incredibly offended by this. I must share with you. I like communication. I like the power that we have over the words we choose and the tone of voice we use. But listen, so there's other forms of of communication. Social media. We are confronted with TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and God knows what other platforms we YouTube. And then we have television. We have eight thousand million channels. We're never without content, are we? So this is a war of words. We have words that are coming at us at a rapid pace and we're supposed to juggle them. We think we're supposed to respond to every single thing that comes at us. And I am here to tell you, you are absolutely wrong. The power of silence, the power of not speaking, at least for a while, is your superpower. When you finally understand the power of not responding, at least not responding immediately and certainly not responding to people who have either made agreements with you and now they're changing their mind. So here's something that happened recently that I wanted to share with you. And this kind of got me on the topic that I wanted to choose for today's podcast episode. Situation, and it's very typical, by the way, situation where two people getting divorced, one person really wants to negotiate, put things to bed, uh, wants to take time doing it thoughtfully, but doesn't want to take the rest of their natural lives to do it. The other person is not compliant. The other person says, okay, let's do this. Okay, I agree to that. And then they don't. Then they move the goalpost and they're nasty. And they try and say, we've never said that, although everything is in writing. It's in WhatsApp. Oh, I forgot about WhatsApp. It's in WhatsApp. It's in text. It's an email. Oh, your stuff is written down. But all of a sudden, you don't remember that there was a conversation if you're the one that moves the goalpost. So the person who wants to, with integrity, with consideration, with thought, negotiate a settlement for a divorce 
and put it to bed. Sign off on it and make it official. You cannot allow yourself to be manipulated by somebody who knows to play, knows how to play the word game better than you do. The person who knows to how to play the word game keeps changing their words, keeps changing the deal points, or may try and bully you. Oh, really? You want to divorce me? I'll take you for everything. You know, I've talked about this on this podcast. That's somebody who has no clue what they're talking about. When somebody confronts you with what they will do, the threats made to you, that will scare you, put fear in you. I guarantee you that person has either not gone to an attorney or has gone to an attorney and couldn't care less about what they're told about the law. They just want things their way and they want you to be in fear mode so they can control you. Please don't let yourself be controlled anymore. You don't have to. Know at the end of the day, if you want to be amicable, if you want to negotiate, if you want to mediate, if you want to collaborate, know at the end of the day that if it's not working, you've got trial. You've got the court. And I don't believe in threatening. I don't like threatening. But I do like acknowledging in a very kind and considerate way. Again, it's going to be the words we choose, the tone of voice we use. That if that's the only way we can get to a final settlement and get divorced, then then that's what we have to do. And, you know, you just have to, you know, throw your um, chances to the wind, so to speak, and let the judge make a decision. At least things will be over. So anyway, the situation that I'm referring to, I started telling you about. So a situation where the divorce has been ongoing for, I think, four years, definitely three. I think four, but definitely three. Should never have taken this long. No kids, no real estate to divide, no big deal stuff, a pension to divide, spousal support to pay, debt to divide. That's kind of it. I mean, that's your normal garden variety divorce where it should be over in five minutes after everybody gets settled down emotionally. But it's not. Well, why isn't it? Because one person doesn't want to comply. Because there are issues on one person's side. Either they do have control issues or they have maybe substance issues, substance abuse issues. And people with substance abuse issues tend to be blamers and they tend to want to move the goalpost because moving the goalpost means they don't have to commit. All right. So in a situation like this, You have to say, look, we have negotiated, we have set deadlines, I have allowed deadlines to be blown, that's my issue, I understand, I've played into the moving the goalpost game. Well, I don't want to play into it anymore. I just want it to be over. And if we need to use the court and let a judge make it be over, I'm okay with that. I'm really okay with that. So look at what I just did. First of all, I didn't have an argumentative voice. I had a low-key voice. I had a very accepting voice. Okay, we've tried. And I, I, I admitted my own culpability in extending the length of the divorce. <clears throat> so my voice was lower. Okay, 
I understand we've negotiated a lot. We've spent time on this. Uh, We've both spent money on professionals trying to help us. I know I've allowed the goalpost to be moved several times when we've identified deadlines, but I don't want to do this anymore. I really need this to be over. So if we cannot adhere to the current deadline, I accept the fact that you don't want to. No blame on my part. I think we just need to let the judge take over. I think this is what the judge is here to do. And so I'm okay just letting the judge make the decisions. Maybe I'll lose a little ground, but at least it'll be over and I can move forward and live my life. Nothing threatening about that. But what you can't do is have this conversation repeatedly. When this conversation takes place, it's the end. You cannot have it anymore. And then you have to walk through that door. You have to move forward with what you said you would accept as the alternative. You have to. Or nobody will respect you. Nobody will listen to you anymore. And people stop caring at a certain point. The professionals you hire can easily stop caring, even if they're making money. It's For them, it's got to be over too. You know, for somebody who is really interested, for a, a, a divorce law professional, whether they're a mediator, an attorney, a document preparation company, it doesn't matter. We all want it to be over, unless we're only in it for the money, and then God forbid it'll go on the rest of our natural lives. But those of us who really want to see a conclusion for both of you, because it's the right thing to do, because you get to move on and live your lives, we don't want to continuously rewrite and refile and redo this. We want it to be over. Those are the good people in your life. They want it to be over and they should be able to help you move it forward. So what you do is simply put into writing what I just said. I'm I'm ready to move forward and conclude. I know I've moved deadlines several times. I'm no longer willing to do that. I understand that you don't want to comply, but let's just let the court do what the court's there to do. And then we can both get on and and live our lives. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Now, in the middle of this type of a relationship, you're going to have a lot of acrimony. You're going to have a lot of toxic, poisonous texts, emails, Probably not phone calls. People who want to bully you, people who want to argue with you, put it in writing. I don't know why. Most ridiculous thing in the world because they're creating a paper trail, aren't they? They're creating a paper trail that you easily will use as exhibits at trial. Look, judge, it's been all about bullying. Here's the paper trail of all the deals we've made with each other. Here's me moving the goalpost. So I'll accept responsibility for that. And here's him or her agreeing to terms and then changing them right when we get to the deadline. So we're here so that you can end this for us. But there'll be a lot of toxic texts and toxic emails. There's a certain point in time you have to return them. Stop returning them. Stop talking. Stop returning them. That's the other thing. The power of silence. 
You need to stop talking at, at a certain point in time. You need to just say what you need to say in a very respectful way. I always support respect and courtesy. That doesn't mean that you're weak because you're treating your soon-to-be former spouse at some point in time, soon-to-be former spouse. Um, with courtesy and respect, that doesn't mean you're weak. That means you're courteous, you're respectful. You don't need to be mean back and you don't need to engage in toxic communication. Let those texts go by. Let those emails die. Don't do it. Wait a day or two and then return and just say, no, I've thought this over and I I still want to give it to the court. I guarantee you nine times out of 10, nobody wants to go to court. They will comply. And it happened recently with a couple different cases in kind of the same situations where I've allowed time to go on. I've tried to be accommodating. I clearly understand the law and what I've caved on and what I don't have to cave on. You can think what you want to think, but I think I've researched the law pretty well. And with that in mind, let's let the judge do what the judge does. And, you know, maybe I'll get screwed on a couple things, but at least it'll be over. I mean, the judges have to comply with the law. And if it's just a straight division of assets and debts, um, some, you know, dividing up legal fees, you know, stuff like this, spousal support, the judges have to comply with the law. And if they don't, by the way, you can appeal. So you don't need to argue. Less is more. You know, in a very simple email, we'll do it. Conclusion, over. We've reached the end. Here's where I'm at. I'm okay with whatever happens. So there's a gentleman that I've interviewed on this podcast several times. His name is Bill Eddy, E-D-D-Y. Bill is great with communication. He's the one that taught me conflict communication. And it's called, he lives by the acronym BIF. This is what he taught me. He has like 25, 30 books on this. Bill Eddy. He started out as a divorce attorney. And he says that when he couldn't figure out why his clients were crazy or acted crazy, started blaming him for what? What happens is people need an outlet. And they start blaming the people who work for them as their outlet. Oh, don't do that to me. Don't do, I'll give your money back so fast. You can use somebody else. I will not let anybody blame me for anything. I am not your whipping post. What I will do, by the way, sorry to get tangential on this. We're going to get back to Ed in a second. If you feel like you want to make these wonderful people in your life trying to help you get through divorce, your whipping post, here's what I do. I first of all absorb the message and I can tell when somebody wants to blame me. Hey, I called you and told you that I only had an hour to talk and I didn't get your call back. I don't know. Have you considered that I was in a meeting for three hours? Didn't even get your call. 
Don't be demanding on me. Don't do that to me. If this is the way you want to treat me, we cannot work together. I cannot let anybody treat me badly. And I've talked to other divorce professionals and they're like, after a few years in the business, you get where you have to take a stand as a divorce professional and just say, look, I'm here to help you. Uh, nobody's perfect. And if I've, you know, if we have to refile something, we have to refile something, but I will get back to you in 24 hours. It may not be same day. I don't know if I'm meeting heavy that day. What if I'm writing settlement agreements and I need to focus just like I'm going to have to focus on yours when the time comes. Please don't be demanding. I am really good at what I do and I really care about you. I mean that. But you this is a business and I have a lot of clients and everybody needs focus and attention. And if I'm in a meeting, I don't stop the meeting to answer a phone call. Anyway, back to Bill Eddy. See, I have to do this. What I'm going to teach you now, I have to do as well. There's an acronym that he uses called BIFF, B-I-F-F. It stands for brief, informative, friendly, and firm. So when you get toxic emails and texts or even phone calls, which I know nobody puts this stuff in phone calls. They want their words to live on in perpetuity in written communication. And then you could, of course, use it against them. I mean, come on, folks, you must think about this. But actually, that's to your advantage if you're the victim. Okay, Biff, brief, informative, friendly, and firm. So somebody sends you a toxic communication. First of all, don't answer it immediately. Just let it go silent. Don't even answer till the next day if you don't have to, because here's the advantage you have. That person doesn't know what you're thinking. That person wants to engage you in a fight. Don't do it. Don't comply. You know, this is a war of words. And in any war, don't you want to psych out the enemy? Don't you want to, with stealth and quiet and purpose, move forward? Yep, that's what you want to do. Quiet is your guide. Quiet is your superpower. Quiet is your advantage. Because when we're in a fight, nobody's quiet, right? Everybody's arguing at each other. Each person has their position and their position is right. The other person's position is wrong. And we want to force that position on the other person. We want to stand by that position. And while the other person is talking to us, we're talking back. And I've watched people email fight in front of me. Remember in Zoolander part one, uh, when Zoolander and Hansel did a walk-off, <laughs> they did fashion fighting. That's how they fought on the runway. I always, I always think about that when I watch people email fight in front of me. So I'll get an email fight in front of me. Um, two people were not really mediating yet. They don't want to mediate. They just want to fight. That's where they're at right now. They just want to fight. In the old days, I used to engage in the fight. Then I realized that's counterproductive because now I'm part of the fight. <laughs> I'm not really helping them as a professional. You learn as you go. 
So now I let people email fight in front of me the full, whole day. I don't even engage. And at the end of the day, if they're still fighting, Judy, what do you think? I say, I think it's time to schedule a mediation. That's it. I don't engage. It's just time to schedule a mediation. And then when I get them in mediation, I'll show them how to communicate with each other. I really do. I will stop and say, listen, this is what you want to communicate, right? Let me show you a different way of communicating. And it changes everything. So when you get the toxic communications, the written ones, don't answer same day. Wait till the next day because the other person will be like, well, wait a minute. Did it go through? Why aren't they arguing with me? We always used to argue so well. No, you've changed. You've now gotten smarter. You now understand less is more in the war of words. You know, my friend Patty McGuire, who is a, oh my God, what kind of a coach is she? She's an emotional intelligence coach. I met her as a, um, uh, a self-aware, not, not a self-awareness coach, um, self-worth coach. Sorry about that. Sorry, Patty. And I just love that, a self-worth coach. Patty is the most positive person in the entire world. I love Patty McGuire. But Patty uses the tug of war, the rope, the tug of war uh, metaphor. She said, look, if you engage in the fight, you're in this tug of war, put the rope down. Don't engage in the tug of war. Then it's not a tug of war. It's just one person being an asshole, kind of, right? Yes, we're all assholes at certain points in time. Yes, we are. I can even be an asshole too because I'm human. And then I'm like, wait a minute, I'm a mediator. (laughs) I need to be better than this. I need to use my own lessons on me. And it works. Put the rope down. Do not engage in the verbal tug of war. Just stand your ground. Think about what you want, how you want to move forward. And so brief, informative, friendly, and firm. So be brief. You'll get, maybe you'll get a very long text or a very long email. You don't have to negotiate and respond to each thing. Just do an overall I hear what you're saying. Okay, that's brief. I hear what you're saying. Informative. I do not agree with what you're saying. Friendly. My position has been or is this, but I appreciate you communicating your thoughts. Brief, informative, friendly, and firm. Okay, then they'll come back with something else because they're not ready to put the rope down. They want to engage in a fight. So they'll come back with whatever they're coming back with. You do not have to answer any longer. Or if you do feel one more answer is necessary, just say, I appreciate your further thinking That's really professional, right? I appreciate your further thinking. I stick with my previous response. That's firm and friendly. And you're informing them that you haven't changed your mind. This is where you're at. This is where you're going to stick to. 
brief, informative, friendly, and firm. I want to tell you it works every time. And if you are, though, divorcing somebody who's maybe mentally unstable, I mean, we do have people who are mentally unstable. doesn't matter what the label is. Who cares about the label? The issue is we do have a lot of people that are mentally unstable and you may be married to one. Well, if you're married to one, sit back and get ready to compromise to get out of the relationship. Compromise. You can even say to this person, just tell me what you would like. Just tell me what you would like. I'll give you as much of what you would like as I can possibly give you, or I'll give you everything. I've told you, I think a couple of years ago, I was in the uh, urgent care, high blood pressure due to my work, seriously. Due to my work, I was having high blood pressure. And of course, I had a horrible diet, way too much salt. And as we were waiting for my test results, uh, the doctor was talking to me and she said, well, what, what line of work are you in? And I said, well, I'm a divorce mediator. And she said, oh, my God, let me tell you about my divorce. So this is actually quite a door opener, being a divorce mediator. And she said she was in an acrimonious divorce with her husband. They had a 13-year-old daughter. They both made money, but she made more as a doctor. And they both had lawyers it just was going on too long, she said. The only thing she really cared about was not parental alienation. She didn't want to end the relationship her daughter had with her father. She didn't want to do that. But she said he wasn't a very good father and he really didn't care about the daughter that much. All she wanted was to not have him have increased time. Whatever time he had that seemed to work for him and the daughter, she was cool with that. But she didn't want increased time. And so she said to her attorney, I'm going to handle this. I love when the clients say to the attorney, I'm going to handle this. And here's what she did. She just said to him, just tell me what you want. I really do want to conclude. I, I don't want to keep negotiating. Tell me what you want. And he told her. Well, first of all, he said, really? Are you serious? She said, I'm actually serious. Just tell me what you want. And he did. He gave her a laundry list of what he wanted. And she said, fine, I'll do it. And he was so shocked. He said, what are you talking about? And she said, I told you I'd give you what I wanted. She was prepared. And uh, I mean, he wasn't going to egregiously ask for far more than the law, probably not dividing some things of his. Uh, and she said, no, I told you I was going to do it. I, I was going to give you what you wanted. He said, okay, I want a trip to Hawaii. Add it on. She said, okay, done. And they got divorced. That's right. And they got divorced. You have to do this. So it's the power of words. First of all, do not engage in the fight. Use fewer words, more space in the conversation quiet tone of voice, put the tug of war rope down, brief, informative, friendly, and firm. These are all of your tools and your approaches. You are not going to argue any longer. You are going to have as your goal the least amount of anger, the least amount of fighting, the least amount of communication. You're going to be thoughtful. You're going to be focused. 
And you're going to practice phrases that are non-inflammatory. And one of the little tricks to this communication situation is never say the word you. Always put it in third person pronoun or first person plural. We, it, do not say you. Because when, when you say you, well, you did this, you did that. No. When you, when you do that, when people do that, let me start doing this. Let me start showing you. When people do that, the listener becomes offended and defensive. You. Because now you have to defend yourself when somebody says you. But when you put it in third person or first person plural, if you put something in first person plural, it's we. And so now you're a team moving together. People don't expect that. We have work to do. I know our work is serious, negotiating a settlement. I would like us to work together as much as possible. So look at what I did. I didn't say, it's always your fault. You always do this. You've always done that. You always move the goalpost. I've always tried to be the the bigger person. Please don't ever say that. That's so ego driven. Forget being any bigger person. No, you're both trying to work out a settlement for a divorce. Or instead of saying you, it, you know, objectify whatever you're talking about. It, they, If you can practice not saying you, watch the reaction you get. It'll be such a better reaction because the tone will go lower. People will be less prone to want to defend themselves because you haven't said you. Well, you have to do this. This is your obligation. You're supposed to pay me spousal support. You're supposed to do this. Uh Uh-uh. Spousal support alimony in the states that it is alive and well in, because there's a couple states it's not alive and well in anymore, much to my shock. Do it third person. Well, uh, spousal support, as it has been communicated to me, uh, is a way of equalizing our standard of living going forward, which is really what it's supposed to do. Spousal support, the most argued thing in the world, alimony. Ev- nobody wants to play, pay alimony. Like women know that men want it to be over when it's over. The issue why men argue about pl- paying alimony is they're never out of the relationship. That monthly check reminds them of the relationship. If there's any way you can negotiate a giant lump sum instead of getting a monthly amount, do it. Do it. Oh my God. Then it's over in one felt swoop. But if that's not possible, in a lot of cases, it's not possible. Just understand that's why men don't like paying it. And let me talk about women who have to pay alimony. When women out earn men, you're like dealing with a wild animal. Women want equal pay, but they don't want equal responsibility when it comes to them paying alimony. Oh my God, they'll go back to gender preferences. How can a man take money from a woman? 
I don't know. How can you ask a man to make more money? I mean, your boss, how can you ask your boss to, to pay more money to you? You want it? We, we want equal pay. We must accept equal responsibility. That's just it. That's the law of life. Anyway, <clears throat> even when you're discussing something like spousal support slash alimony, again, the most difficult of all subjects. Don't talk about fair. Well, you know, I just want it to be fair. Talk practicality. The reason why spousal support is being requested. Notice I didn't put I in there. The reason why spousal support is being requested. Well, who's it being requested by? It's being requested by you if you're the one talking, but don't do that. Get some distance. Make it third person. The reason why spousal support is being requested is because I now live 50 miles away from my job. And I had to move in with my mother or get a roommate uh, to be able to afford the gasoline and the time that it's now taking me to drive to work now that we're not living together. We. Not I. We. So that's logical. People can understand that practicality. Because there was a situation I had years ago, and I try and tell people who come in for mediation, do not talk about fair. Fair is a fighting word. It's an F word. <laughs> yes, it is. Fair is an F word. It's a fighting word. And, and, and nobody understands fair. Everybody's definition of fair is different. But if you talk about practicalities, the actual reason why spousal support is being requested at least the payor can wrap their head around practicality. Seriously. So I did have a situation, and that was a, a perfect example. This couple moves from the East Coast to the West Coast, so he can earn a better living. She can also earn a living here, two working people. They got a place close to where his work was, and she just found work in the same area. And so they both were making great money. And then all of a sudden the marriage didn't work out. So for some reason, she was the one that left wherever they were living. Maybe they were renting and it wasn't, you know, a family. It wasn't real estate owned. I think maybe they were renting and somebody had to move out. She couldn't afford the rent on her own. He could because he made more than her, although she made great money. And she did have to move in with her mother who lived like in. Thousand Oaks, Westlake. I mean, a, a, a big drive from Century City, which is the Beverly Hills area. She was requesting spousal support and he couldn't understand why. Why? You can live on what you earn. And I said, do not use fair. Do not use fair. Explain what's going on financially in your life. He'll understand that. And she did. She said, well, yes, you are right. What I'm making is affordable if I don't live on the west side of Los Angeles. So now I have to live in the valley where rents are a lot less. And I'm living with my mother. She has a two bedroom. I am paying her rent because that's only that's the right thing to do. But it's the drive time. It's the gasoline. And, 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 and so 
financial assistance is necessary. All of a sudden it settled. He got that. He got financial assistance is necessary. He got the dollars and cents approach. So what we have to do in order to win the war of words, and I know I use the word war, but it is alliteration, the war of words. Um, we really do have to go through the grieving stage first so that we can actually communicate. You have to go through the anger, the denial, the bargaining, the depression. You get into acceptance and forgiveness. Now you can have a conversation. Now you can really use language skills uh, to your benefit and to his or her benefit too. They need help as well. You know, I don't look at anybody as being a villain in a divorce. I really don't. It's just a situation that happened for whatever reason. We're imperfect beings and we have to forgive each other. We have to forgive ourselves first. Maybe we married the wrong person and we knew it from the get-go. Well, you can't lie to yourself about that. You must communicate honestly with yourself. Where's your level of culpability? Communicate honestly with yourself, then forgive yourself. A lot of times people marry the wrong person knowing that they're not absolutely right, but they check the boxes or they make money and that sways us. Unfortunately, it does. And then it doesn't work out. So when you've gone through that grieving stage and don't talk, listen, communication. When the divorce talk has happened, just say to your spouse, I need a little time to grieve. I need a little time to process this. And then I'll be ready to engage in the process, the filing, the communication, but communicate, you know, and, and communicate in a nice way. Just hold it together the best way you can. Okay. Um, I know our relationship wasn't great if you're the one being asked for the divorce. Here's another way of communicating. I know the relationship wasn't the best. Um, and I really am sorry for anything I've done that's contributed. I mean that. I'm sorry. I hope you mean it. You should mean it. Um, and I'm willing to do whatever I have to do in the filing process and comply with the law and all of that. I just need a little time to process all of this and to grieve. If you're the one being asked for the divorce, trust me, the other person has been processing this already. And when they're ready to talk about it, they're ready to move forward. But you're not. You have to go through your own grieving process. So communicate that. Ask for time. Just say you're not trying to hold up the process, but you do need a little time to wrap your head around this giant change of life situation that's now upon you. And um, give me a couple months, give me two or three months and then get some help. First of all, go to an attorney so that you understand the law so you can remove fear from the equation because you're going to be fearful. You're going to be fearful about your life as a single person, but you're going to be fearful about what can happen to me. Is everything going to be taken from me? I mean, people really go to that extent and I understand it. Uh, everything will never be taken from you. There's no law in the country that allows one person to walk away with nothing. Just doesn't work like that. Communicate that you need a little time and then take the time. 
Even if that person says, I'm just going to go ahead and file. Fine. Let them file. You'll get served. File a response and then take your time. Communicate that to everybody in your divorce world who's working with you that you need a little time to grieve. You'll let them know and then you'll be on it. Okay, hold on. I just want to see if I forgot anything. Less is more. Stop talking. That's like, that's the greatest trick I can ever tell you. Just stop talking. Stop arguing. Put that tug of, that, that tug of war down. Don't threaten. Oh, I forgot to say that. Don't ever threaten. I really was kind of mentioning that at the very beginning of this episode uh, when I said, the court is there to finalize. I know people don't want to go to trial if they don't have to. They want to try and work things out, which is great. I mean, that's why I'm a mediator. I want to help people work things out. But sometimes it just doesn't. Or sometimes just saying, Maybe I'll lose some of what we've negotiated, but at least it'll be over. At least I won't have to negotiate anymore, or this won't have to be negotiated anymore. Stop talking, because I guarantee you, they'll come around. Uh, I told you about Biff, and I told you about, yeah, not responding in a toxic communication situation. So I hope I've helped you. I hope that any of you who really want to work on communication, first of all, go on Amazon, look up Bill Eddy, E-D-D-Y, and buy those books. He has so many books on communication with difficult people, especially communication and divorce with difficult people. He actually even has a book on politics and how the war of words has really hurt us, the average person, when we try and interpret what people are saying to us in politics. I mean, literally, this man is the king of communication. And then if you would like some coaching with communication, I can do that with you. You know, part of my practice is showing people how to communicate. I just did that with somebody recently and everything worked out beautifully. It was a goalpost moving situation. Goalpost stopped. It's planted firmly. It's moving forward to a negotiated conclusion. I just, I love language and I love how to use the tone of voice to soothe the person you're talking to. So it's the words we choose and the tone of voice we use that become our greatest superpowers. All right, so that's it. That concludes today's episode. Um, Please share this with anybody going through divorce. Get them to start listening to this podcast. And please, I would love to help you with communication if you feel that you need a little bit of that fluffing up. Let's do it because I guarantee you with the right communication, your situation will be the best it can be. So share this with your friends, uh, like this, subscribe to this. And you know what I say, as always, have an amicable day. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Be good to yourselves, be kind to your spouse, and cherish your children above all else. 